You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Well, let me ask you something. Uh, if you are a Christ follower, uh, how did you first hear the gospel? Like, like, who told you about Jesus and helped you understand who he is and, and, and what he did? Uh, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend at work, maybe it was a camp counselor. Uh, who told you about Jesus? Uh, if you're like me, uh, it's probably hard to come up with uh, just one person. I, I think of my grandparents and my parents who brought me up hearing the old, old story of Jesus uh, and his love. Uh, I think of Sunday school teachers who taught me about the death and the resurrection of Jesus using that life-changing uh, technology, the flannel graph. Right? They would move characters around on the flannel graph, and I was just like mind-blown uh, as I learned about Jesus. Uh, I think about Coach Miller, uh, one of my coaches in high school, who led a Bible study uh, at his apartment, an FCA Bible study. And he invited us not only into his home, he invited us into his life and, and, and the work of Christ in his life. I think of my college friend, David Perry, who showed me by his life that the gospel was not just the way to heaven. It's, it, the gospel is the way to live life on earth. And he fleshed that out in front of me, uh, even as a college student. Uh, who taught you the gospel? Who, who told you the gospel? How did the gospel come to you? Um, we're going to see today that the Apostle Paul's story is unlike any of ours uh, because Paul's going to say, uh, I got the gospel directly from Jesus himself. Uh, look at verse 11 there in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, Galatians 1 verse 11. He says, For I would have you know, brothers... That the gospel that I preach, uh, the, that the gospel preached by me is not man's gospel, meaning it doesn't have human origins. It, it's not something uh, that any human being made up. It's not something that any human reasoning came up with. I, I didn't make it up. It's not a human invention at all. Look at verse 12, Galatians 1, verse 12. For I did not receive it from any man meaning it wasn't passed down to me. It wasn't some kind of established tradition that, was, that I received from parents or friends or church leaders. And then he says, nor was I taught it, meaning no one sat down with me and explained the gospel to me. It's not like Peter said, hey, let me, let me share something with you and share the four spiritual laws with me. That's not how it worked. I, was, I didn't learn the gospel from anyone, not at Bible study, not at church. I wasn't taught the gospel by anyone. And then at the end of verse 12, he says, but I received it. I received the gospel through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation is the word apocalypse, through an apocalypse of Jesus Christ, meaning an unveiling of Jesus Christ. The, the, the curtain was pulled back so that I could see Jesus for who he really is. And Paul says, that's how the gospel came to me. It wasn't a human invention shared with me. It wasn't a church tradition passed down to me. It was a divine revelation given to me. I got the gospel directly from God, is what Paul is saying. Now, why is he insisting on this? Why is he uh, making this point so strongly? Well, we talked about this a little last week, but, but there were false teachers who have come to Galatia 
who, who were trying to discredit Paul's message, his gospel. They're telling the Galatians, well, Paul didn't give you the full story. He, he, he didn't give you the whole gospel. Yes, you need to believe in Jesus, like Paul said, uh, but you also need to keep the law of Moses if you want to live like one of God's people, if you want to live like God's people ha- have always lived. And so they're saying Paul probably heard the gospel from Jerusalem, uh, the apostles in Jerusalem, but obviously he's missed some of the parts of the gospel. He's watering down the gospel. Therefore, Paul's gospel doesn't have any real authority in your lives. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. No, I, I got the gospel directly from God. I didn't get it from any human being. I got it from God himself. My gospel has 100% divine origin, just like my apostleship, just like my office. In fact, to prove it to you that my gospel is from God, I want to tell you a little bit of my own story. And so here's how today's passage breaks down. In verses 11 and 12, which we just read, Paul makes a claim. And the claim is, I got the gospel directly from God. And so my gospel has power. It has authority. And then in verses 13 through 24, which we're going to look at next, Paul gives evidence to to support that claim. And the evidence that supports the claim is his own story. And I got to give I got to give credit to John Stott's work in Galatians for helping me see this. and how this text breaks down. I'm using a variation of his outline today. Once I saw this, uh, it made total sense to me uh, how this passage is broken down. Paul makes a claim about the authority uh, of his gospel in verses 11 and 12, and and then verses 13 through 24 uh, give us the reasons we should believe the, the claim. He tells his story, and he breaks his story down into three parts. So first he says, let me tell you who I was. That's the first part of his story. Let me tell you who I was. And you see that, In verse 13 and 14, look at Galatians 1, verse 13. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And so Paul says two things you need to know about me before I became a Christian. Number one, I was a persecutor uh, of the church. And I don't mean I was just like a big meanie towards the people in the church saying mean things to them and hurting their feelings. I mean, I was violently opposing them. I was trying to destroy them. Uh, Listen to what Paul says about himself in Acts chapter 26. This is Paul's testimony in Acts 26. He says, I was convinced that I ought to do everything possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, uh, I cast my vote against them. Can you imagine that? Like, can you imagine that someone is going to be executed for what they believe and you have a vote, you have a say in the matter? And you decide, I'm giving the thumbs down. And they lose their life because of your vote. Can you imagine that? That's Paul. Paul says, many times I went from synagogue, from one synagogue to another uh, to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I tried to get them to say wrong things about God, things that would be hurtful to their faith. I tried to get them to say those things. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Paul was on the hunt. Acts chapter 8 says that he went from house to house looking for Christians. He 
Christians. And he dragged men, he dragged women out of their homes and, and, and hauled them off to prison where they would either die uh, or lose their freedom for good. Right? Paul says, that's who I was. I wasn't seeking Jesus. I was seeking to destroy Jesus, or at least the, the, the Jesus movement. I, I was a persecutor. Uh, but he also says, I was a zealot. I was a zealot. You see that there in verse 14. He says, I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I, I was outpacing uh, my peers in the pursuit of my religion. I, 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 was, a, I was climbing the ladder. Right? I, I was a straight-A seminary student. Now, we know that Paul studied the scriptures under the rabbi Gamaliel, who was a Pharisee, who was a, who was a doctor of the law. He was highly respected. Gamaliel was highly respected among all the people. And so Paul was personally tutored, personally mentored in the scriptures uh, under the person who was probably the most well-renowned uh, expert in the scriptures uh, in, in his day. So Paul knew the scriptures. Right? Paul believed the scriptures. He, he believed that the scriptures taught that, that Messiah was coming, and he knew what to look for in the Messiah. And guess what? Jesus of Nazareth was not it, was not what the, this lowly Jesus was not what the Messiah was going to be. And this fringe sect called Christianity uh, was certainly not the fulfillment of his scriptures, of the Jewish scriptures. So Paul, listen, was not open, he was not an open-minded seeker when it comes to religion, right? He was a zealous defender of Judaism. He, he, was, he was a member of the strictest party within Judaism, the Pharisees, which meant he kept the law meticulously. So Paul was not the sort of person who was ever going to say ever in his life that the law of Moses wasn't important, right? That, that the law of Moses was not crucial to having good standing with God. Paul would never say that. And so according to these two verses, Paul was a violent, bigoted, religious fanatic, and he was bent on destroying the greatest enemy to his re religion. And who can change the mind of a person like that? Like, who could have really changed the mind of a person like that? For some reason this week, when I was thinking about Paul's um, pre-conversion mindset, I kept thinking about Timothy McVeigh. Uh, most of you probably know who Timothy McVeigh is. Uh, Timothy McVeigh was a zealot uh, he was so committed to his anti-government ideology that he that he took violent action uh, 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 to to live it out. He, he he's the one that destroyed the federal building in Oklahoma City in April uh, of 1995. He killed 168 people that day and, and and injured almost 700 other people. Now I was living very near Oklahoma City during that time, and I remember a few days after that, I drove by that building and saw the destruction, and it was so heavy. Right? It was so overwhelming to see the destruction and, and to think that one man decided, I'm just going to snuff out the lives of all those people. Right? What was the mindset of that guy before he did that? Like, like, what was he thinking? I think his, I think his mind was made up. Right? I, I think his course was set. I think there was no changing his mind. Like, Who could have changed his mind? You think you could have reasoned in into a different way of thinking? Do you think you could have uh, uh, sat down with him and gotten him to change course? I don't think so. I don't think you change the mind of a zealot like that. And that's the kind of person that Paul was before 
his conversion in his former life. He's like, think about who I was. I believed I was right. I had well-studied convictions and no one was going to change my mind. No one was going to convert me to another way of thinking. Uh, No one could have convinced me to think about Jesus uh, in a different way, except maybe God himself, which is the second part of my story. Paul says, I've told you who I was. Let me tell you what God did. This is the second part of the story. Let me tell you what God did. Look at verse 15 and 16. Verse 15, but. I love the glorious transition that the word but usually brings in the scriptures. It's this this new direction that's going to be taken here. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the the change of subject here. Uh, Verses 13 and 14 were all about what Paul did. Uh, Verses 15 and 16 are are all about what God did, which is the gospel, isn't it? The the gospel is all about what God did for Paul, uh, not, not what Paul did for God. And I want to look at these two densely packed verses. They're, 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 they're so thick uh, with meaning. It's really interesting. Paul is known for writing these really long sentences that go on for like 10 verses sometimes. Uh, Paul, Paul has never met a comma he didn't like. Uh, and yet in these two verses, he's so uh, efficient with his words. He's so concise. He says so much about what God did. Uh, you, and, and he says it in so few words. What did God do? Well, first Paul says... God set me apart before I was born. And we need to know that Paul would never have come up with that idea on his own. Why? Because he was a Pharisee. And Pharisees believed that they were set apart by keeping the law of Moses. That's how you're set apart from from the other people of God, by keeping the, the law of Moses. But now Paul is saying that God set him apart before he ever knew what the law was, before he was ever born. Last week when I was watching the... Um, Providence worship service, uh, it dawned on me that there were five people leading, leading music that day, not three. Uh, and, and that's because Kelsey Harp and Bridget Moore, who were uh, helping to lead music that day, are both pregnant with little boys, uh, both due in September. And so there was five people up here leading us in song. And I started thinking about those little boys. Uh, uh, those little boys are not yet born, and yet the undying love of their parents is already set upon them before they've ever done anything to earn their love. They haven't obeyed their parents. They haven't kept any rules. They haven't cleaned up their room. They haven't made good grades. They haven't gotten good at a sport. They haven't learned how to play an instrument. They haven't done anything to deserve their parents' love, but already they are set apart as recipients of unconditional Love, meaning love not based on anything they've done. That's how God chooses us, to save us, right? He sets us apart as his own. He sets his love upon us apart from our works, apart from anything we do. Uh, The theological term for it is unconditional election. His election of us has nothing to do with anything we do or don't do. He chooses to love us. And then Paul says in verse 15, God called me by his grace. God set me apart before I was born, but then in the course of my life, he called me. uh, And and he called me by his grace. How do we know it was by grace? Uh, 
Well, we know it because Paul was up to no good when God called him. He was opposing God. He was fighting against God. He was hurting God's people. That's what Paul was up to when God called him. So he didn't deserve to be called, right? It was it was a call of God's grace in his life. That's how God calls us. That's how God calls all of us. Like He doesn't wait for us to get all our ducks in a row before he calls us. He calls us by his grace, and his grace is irresistible. Like Our sin, our rebellion is no match for the grace of God calling us to himself. And then finally, Paul says at the beginning of verse 16, God was pleased to reveal his son to me. I love that so much. God was pleased to do it. God took pleasure in revealing his son to Paul. Now, what exactly did God reveal to Paul about his son? Because Paul already knew lots of facts about Jesus. Paul already knew all the historical information about Jesus, and he had rejected Jesus. He saw Jesus as a false Messiah who was leading people astray. Uh, But then one day, Paul was on his way uh, to the city of Damascus uh, to arrest more Christians. Um, And this would end up being the road trip that changed his life. Because there, on the road to Damascus, uh, Jesus appeared to him uh, personally. Like a a bright light shone around Paul, and and Paul heard a voice saying, Paul, Paul, uh, uh, why are you persecuting me? And and, and Paul was like, who are you, Lord? And, and, And And the voice said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, right? And in that moment, God revealed his his son to Paul. That word reveal is the word apocalypto. It's the word apocalypse. It means that Jesus was was unveiled to him, that the curtain was pulled back and and he saw Jesus for who he he really is. The irony of this moment is that Paul was blind in the moment, but but he saw Jesus clearly for the first time who Jesus was, because he saw that that, that Jesus, the one who had been crucified, was still alive. He was alive again. That That meant that he's the Messiah. That meant that he's Lord. And I think that standing there uh, in the blazing glory of Jesus, I think Paul saw and realized for the first time that all his righteous works were like filthy rags. I think Paul saw that his religious resume that he had put so much stock in um, was kind of a joke because, because none of that stuff uh, it, it is what brings us into a relationship with God, to, to be a part of his people, to be in, in God's family. Uh, none of that stuff is the way to, to God. Jesus is the way to God. The, the crucified Jesus, the resurrected Jesus is the way to God. And I think Paul began to understand that for the first time. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And, and, and Paul got that good news from Jesus himself right there on the road to Damascus. Jesus was revealed to him. It's also how it has to work with us, you know. Like Jesus has to be revealed to us. We, we can know lots of facts about Jesus, but only God can reveal him to us so that we see him for who he really is. And I don't know if you've ever seen Jesus as he is, that he's the crucified Lord and, and he's the resurrected Lord. Have you seen him that way? If you haven't, ask God to show him to you. God would be pleased. It, it would be the pleasure of God to show Jesus to you. Uh, in that way. Now, God did not just reveal Jesus to Paul for Paul's sake alone. Uh, 
Paul says in, in, in verse 16, he says that God was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So he revealed his son to me, not just for my sake so that I can know him, but he did it so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. Not preach the law of Moses to the Gentiles, but, but preach Christ to the Gentiles. Preach Christ crucified, Christ resurrected. And Paul says, that's the gospel that I preach. And guess what? I got it directly from Jesus. I got it directly from him. My conversion is evidence of that. And so my gospel is authoritative. It has great authority. It came from Jesus. Right. There's one more part of uh, Paul's story that shows that, uh, that he got the gospel directly uh, from God. Uh, and, and, and the third part of the story, he says, let me tell you what happened next. He says, I've told you who I was. I've told you what God did. Let me tell you what happened next after my conversion. Uh, and look back at verse 16, continuing in verse 16, uh, the, the, the second part of verse 16. He starts to talk, talk about what happened after his conversion. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, uh, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, why does Paul make such a big deal about not going up to Jerusalem to meet with the other apostles? Well, he makes a big deal about it because the false teachers were telling the, 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 the Galatians that Paul had probably gotten his gospel from the apostles in Jerusalem, but he was misrepresenting it in some way. See, at the time, Jerusalem was like gospel headquarters, it was like the home office. And if you wanted to open a gospel franchise somewhere, like say in the region of Galatia, uh, then you had to you had to get your messaging from headquarters, from the board of directors, who were, who were the apostles, just to make sure you were uh, your gospel was properly representing uh, the gospel brand. And so Jerusalem was was a key place. And they're like, well, Paul probably got his gospel from the apostles in Jerusalem, but he left some stuff out. Uh, either on purpose or because he was just not well-trained, he hadn't learned enough yet, but he left some stuff out. And Paul's like, no, no, no. I didn't consult with anyone. I want you to know this. I did not consult with anyone after my conversion. I didn't go up to Jerusalem. I didn't meet with the apostles. Uh, I went to Arabia for like three years. <laughs> what is up with that? What happened? What, what, why did Paul go to Arabia and what happened in, in, in Arabia? Well, actually, nobody really knows because he doesn't really say. He's not explicit about it. Uh, some people think uh, that he was uh, preaching the gospel in that region. Arabia was this large region uh, to the northeast and east and even to the south of Israel. Some people think he, he was preached, Paul was preaching the gospel in Arabia. Some people think that it was a time of preparation in the wilderness, that he went to Mount Sinai and, has, and met with God like Moses did. Uh, some people, uh, I had a, a mentor in college that used to tongue-in-cheek uh, tongue say, Paul was discipled uh, by Jesus himself for three years in, in Arabia. And that might be true. Maybe that happened. Uh, whatever happened during that time, the main point that Paul is making uh, here is that he was not consulting with the apostles during that time, right, uh, about the gospel. Because he wants us to know, I didn't get the gospel from them. I got it directly from God himself. I didn't get it from the apostles in Jerusalem. But after three years, he finally did go up to Jerusalem. Uh, look at verses 18 and 19. It says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem 
to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except, except James, the Lord's brother. So yes, I finally went up to Jerusalem, but I was only there for like 15 days and I only saw two guys. I saw Peter, I saw James. And so I want you to know, I didn't get the gospel from them. In fact, it was three years later. So I, had, I already had the gospel. And, and in verse 20 says, I'm not lying about this. I am telling you the truth in what I'm, in what I'm writing here. And in verse 21 and verse 22, he says, then I went to the far north regions. I went to, to Syria. I went to Cilicia. And, and even when I was there, the churches in Judea, which, which is the region around Jerusalem, they still didn't know me by, in, in person. I still, they still never met me in person. They, they wouldn't have recognized who I was. And so again, there's no way I got the gospel from those churches around Jerusalem. They didn't even know me. But the greatest evidence, Paul says, of the origin of my gospel, the greatest evidence of, of, the, of the power of my gospel, the greatest evidence of the authority of my gospel is my changed life. Right? It, it, my life was totally transformed. Look at verse 23. Look at Paul's changed life. Verse 23. They only were hearing it said, they is the churches in, in, in Judea. They only were hearing it said, so this was the word on the street about Paul. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And so the church's greatest enemy had become the church's greatest advocate. It's an incredible twist in, in, in the story. The persecutor had become a preacher, and he was preaching the very gospel uh, that he once tried to destroy. And I want you to know that when we, when we believe the gospel, right, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins and that Jesus rose from the dead to give us new life, it begins to transform us. Right? It, it begins to change us because it's a total transfer of allegiance, we we go from uh, from from following self as king to following Jesus as king. We go from relying on our own good works to justify us in God's sight to relying on the grace of God through Jesus to justify us to make us right with God in, in God's sight. And that's a total transformation. And that kind of transformation could only be accomplished by God. Only God could have changed Paul like that. Only God can change us like that. Uh, and so to God be the glory. To God be all the glory. And, and that's actually how our text ends today. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, And they glorified God because of me. Paul's, Paul is saying they didn't glorify me. They glorified God. Because all this is from him. This gospel that I preach. This transformation uh, in my life. It's all from God. My story confirms the authority of the gospel. It's a life-changing gospel. And to, to God be the glory. The purpose of our lives is, is to bring glory to God. That's actually what we're made for. And when we believe the gospel, and then the gospel begins to work itself out in, in, in our lives, our lives are transformed, right? And, and it begins to shine the spotlight on God and on his grace and to give him the glory. And we begin to live as we're made to live because we're made new in Christ. Let's thank God for his transforming grace to us. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.